All right, everybody, welcome to today's live stream. Here with me, I'm Kyle. I feel like I probably don't do a good job like introducing myself or you. <laughs> uh, okay. But my name is Kyle Seagraves, um, and this is Dan Frio. Dan also has a YouTube channel, uh, The Rate Update with Dan Frio. You can also just search his name on YouTube. But uh, we're both federally licensed in all 50 states, so um, we can originate loans all through the U.S. and U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. And there, I think there's always one that I miss, uh, some other territory in there somewhere. Um, we just got Dan, New Mexico today. New Mexico? Well, that's a state. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But what I'm saying is, it's like, I honestly, it was like New York. It, when, we, when we got our federal license, it was kind of cool because there was a lot of states that we, you know, I'm sure you didn't land in and I didn't land in for the longest time. Now we yeah. have access to everything which is really cool. And I think a lot of people just don't understand what we do. We actually work together. Uh, we're, on the, we're on the same team and we're out here helping you guys try to get a mortgage. So yes. this, I'm not trying to say what it is right now, but we're here to educate you guys. Yeah, and it, it's, so you it take suck it too, because I, I used to only have a license in uh, Ohio, Florida, and Tennessee. And uh, yeah. it just sucks when it's like, you have all like all these other states that people are buying in, and they're like, "Hey, can you help?" I'm like, "No, I can't, I can't unfortunately." Uh, but now we can, which is nice. Um, so cool. Welcome everyone. What we're gonna do is, uh, I do have a, a couple, one little topic that I want to cover here, which is the the title of the live, and then we're gonna go into just a live question and answer. So um, we'll pull up your questions. So ask them in the chat. We're going to get to them. So like, feel free to put it in now. We'll talk about some stuff, and then we'll get around to the Q and A. So stick around for your question to be answered. And um, we'll just pull up your question on the screen and we'll go through an answer. And we're trying to debate who takes the longest to answer the questions. It's either Dan or me. And I, of course, am voting that I am never the problem. <laughs> I hate this. I hate how this we, is backwards. I know. Now we have our passive aggressive timer that's going to make sure that we answer the questions succinctly. Um, but uh, just want to say welcome to everyone, Janet. Happy New Year. Goodness, why is that so big? I gotta shrink that, gotta shrink that down. Um, Happy New Year, Janet. Thank you for being here as always. Uh, Jeffrey57, um, wonderful question. We absolutely are gonna get to this. Uh, just wanna say hi to everyone here. Um, we have I, that's not super specific, but I, it's good to see you. Uh, Miss Madeline, uh, Eternity Chris, Secret L, Secret HJ. Welcome. Uh, cool. Um, you know what? You just want to answer some questions from the top, and then we can jump into uh, a little bit of some like headline news of what's happening in the market. Sure. If you want to, if you want to pull up some of the questions, I can answer. Ooh, I like just fell down. I can answer. We'll just go back and forth. But I can't. It's hard for me from my laptop to sign a CD or read the questions. So. You know, mind popping those up, we can start going through that. Yeah. And then what Kyle did want to talk about today is there was a big article out saying how many, how cash buyers are actually taking the the the, the uh, housing industry by storm, and there's a big shift in in sellers right now that they're more than willing to accept FHA loans. So we'll get to that here in just a couple minutes. So the first one is yeah. So Jeffrey five seven or Jeffrey J five seven. Uh, says I need to refinance a privately held mortgage. Will this uh, be like any refinance, or since it's privately held, be difficult to do? Me take it. Go for it. 
So what will happen is it shouldn't be really that much difficult, but the, the, the piece that's really going to we'll need from you is because I'm sure it doesn't report to the credit agencies. We need to get basically the terms of that agreement. So you should have those by the note or whatever agreement you had with them. And we have to validate or show every payment that was made. So you can't miss a payment. If you miss a payment, there's no loan there. But as long as we can document the payment and the, the, the kind of the breakdown of the loan, make sure you're current, um, and everything else, that, that's it. So the most difficult part of that is is just getting the, the proof of payments uh, and the terms of that, that private agreement. But no, it, it should, you shouldn't have any snags there. Awesome. Uh, Janet, you said if I want to buy uh, or yeah, if I want to buy a triplex, what credit score is needed? First time home buyer income debt ratio. Do I need 3% or less? Um, so a triplex, if you're looking at something like a conventional loan, is going to require 25% down. Um, so what a lot of people do, especially when they're looking at, you know, maybe it's the first home they purchased, um, or there may be, a, they want to not spend as much cash up front for, uh, an, you know, a home that requires 25% down is they do what's called house hacking through an FHA loan. Um, and it's not any sort of like particular FHA loan. It's just a general FHA loan. And the strategy is you buy the home, you put 3.5% down as the minimum down payment. You live in one unit and you rent out the other two in the instance of a triplex, you can actually use that rental income. You can use 75% of it to offset your mortgage payment, which makes it a lot easier for you to be able to qualify uh, for that loan. So this is a super common strategy with FHA uh, with three and a half percent down, you need a 580 credit score and higher. Um, and I actually talk about this house hacking strategy in a video I just posted today um, about FHA loan requirements. So you do not have to be a first time home buyer. Um, the debt to income ratio on FHA loans goes all the way up to just under 57%. But if you're looking at a triplex, that's likely going to be quite a bit lower. Um, it really depends on the underwriting software. And unfortunately, they don't publish those numbers. So you're probably going to be looking, I would say, closer to like 43 to 45% is going to be a safer range for you to be in. Um, or that's what I would anticipate uh, more with looking at a triplex. Um, outside of that, you likely will need some reserves in your account, meaning after you pay for your down payment and closing costs, uh, usually the underwriting software is gonna say we want one to three months of uh, your mortgage payment still in your bank account, just as a kind of an emergency fund cushion. They don't want you to empty your bank account when you purchase the home, especially with a triplex uh, where you know there's gonna be potential vacancies of people not renting or people not paying or other maintenance costs. Is there anything I missed in that? Or no, we just actually got a $1.4 million purchase today on a four unit building that we're going FHA because just think wow. of how much money you would need down if you went conventionally. And so they, all they needed was three and a half percent of a down payment. Fantastic program. Yeah. And the new loan limits that FHA just put out, it, it's it's right in line with it. So otherwise you've yeah. never been able to do that or you'd have to put you know, a mini fortune down. It's, it's, it's a yeah. fantastic program, it's the way to go. Uh, Joseph, good to see you. Thanks for your question here. We're going to hop to that in just a minute. Um, okay. Janet said, hello, Dan, love your YouTube channel. Uh, and Kyle hey, as well. Thanks. Appreciate the support, Janet. Uh, Miss Madeline 1974. Is it hard for someone in low income? Um, are there any programs in Florida, uh, for help with that? There's no really state specific programs. 
Uh, I get it where it's it's a, it's very hard to qualify nowadays, especially with house prices, especially in Florida and some of the areas in Florida that you're in and where mortgage rates are. So that this is where FHA really comes into play. Uh, it's not going to help you, you know, get a lower payment, but it'll help you qualify uh, with a, a larger loan amount. Uh, because like, like Kyle was just saying, you can go, the debt ratio on an FHA loan, you can go all the way up to like 56.99%. We're not condoning that you do that, but it is a better, a much looser underwriting standards than the conventional financing. So unfortunately there's nothing specific in Florida that's out there um, for that, but FHA would be the way to go that I would look, look at in your case um, even USDA, a lot of lot of portions of, of Florida are in a USDA area eligible, so that's good. And a huge portion of Florida as well. If you're a veteran, don't forget you have VA benefits. You can do 100% financing, and those ratios, debt ratios, also go fairly high, and the rates are fantastic with no mortgage insurance. So you can finance 100% of your purchase with no mortgage insurance. That's huge. It'll save you probably about two, three hundred bucks a month. By eliminating the mortgage insurance. Uh, Eternity Chris, hello. Uh, Dan and Kyle, greetings from Queens, New York. Hey, we're uh, finally getting some New York followers. <laughs> An adventurer prime fire just joined. Um, so thank you for being here. Uh, please ask uh, ask a question if you have one. Um, we would love to help answer that for you. Uh, okay, Secret L, Secret HJ, new builder, offered me a 4.375 interest rate with $2,500 closing cost discount. That sounds like a very low interest rate. Uh, does that sound right to you? <laughs> no. Uh, That's the analogy I was saying when I was quoted. I was actually quoted, if you guys are new to the channel or my channel, I was quoted in uh, Yahoo Finance about two years ago because people would post, you know, when the rates were like 3%, we had people were even I think there was a lender out there posting rates. I don't know if you remember when they, remember when UWM had rates at 1.99? Yeah. But they didn't really show you the points and all the other stuff included. Um, well, so to get a 1.9, you know, it costs like $10,000. Yeah. So just a secret, secret, or however you want to pronounce that. I don't know how they're doing 4.375. I would make sure it's not a weird program because here's, here's the analogy. So, so let's say rate or gas in your area is you know, three bucks a gallon. And you come to me and say, Dan, there's gas down the street at 99 cents. The first thing I'm going to, first thing you'd probably say is, huh, how can it be? Unless you have to buy a, you know, get a car wash, two pizzas, a case of beer and a pack of cigarettes, you know, so there's, there's gotta be some strings attached because you know, when the going rate today is 6.375, and you're 2% under. So what they might be doing, just watch they're not trying to pull a fast one on you. Maybe they're putting you into a 2-1 buy down. That might be what they're doing. I just find it hard to believe they're offering you a 4.375 30-year fixed rate and also giving you a $2,500 closing cost credit. I, I would be really skeptical, but if they are, God bless you. Or should I get an older house would another lender match? I don't see anybody matching a 4.375 rate, 30-year fixed rate with no points in this market Again, unless today. You, like, it's just, a temp, like a 2-1 okay. buy down, like you mentioned. Yeah. So what else, how would you think they're getting a, I mean, the, you would have to pay, I mean, to buy that rate down, I mean, it would be five, six, seven, eight points at least. 
Yeah, I don't know. I'd be very interested. So what you could do if you would like, because you also talked about like what another lender match the incentives. Um, I We actually have a, a little tool that you can fill out where you can just upload your quote and then we'll go scan it across 80 different lenders that we work with and we'll see are you, you know, what is your actual loan estimate look like? Um, and then is there any way that we can beat it with, you know, the 80 other lenders? Um, and if you can get a better deal with your lender, uh, then we're absolutely going to tell you, we want you to get the best deal possible. Um, so you're welcome to do that. The link is in the description of this video. I had to make sure it was in there. Um, it just says, let us beat your loan estimate. You can just upload it there and then you don't have to do the like hassle of like phone calls and, you know, phone tag and the whole deal. Um, and then yep. we can take a look at it. Uh, if you send that over, uh, Dan will take a look and we can just like double check and see what's happening there. Um, but then as far as like, you know, getting an older home, uh, if this is the home that you like and works for you, uh, go with it. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily a benefit of going with an older home over a newer home. As long as you, you know, do your due diligence of getting a home inspection and making sure everything's fine. And But if this works for you, great. Um, I don't see any, do you, is there any benefit you see of an older home over a newer one? No, I don't. I mean, I would go with, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just do it for the rate. And then 10 years from now, you'll look back saying, oh, why didn't I do that? You know, I think we yeah. just have to get past these crazy times that we're seeing right now where house prices just ran crazy high mortgage rates doubled in the past year when things stabilize and get back to normal i think 10 years from now people look back saying oh that was a pretty good opportunity or you know i, I don't think a lot of people are really going to get uh, crushed in this market you know i, I have a, a video coming out next week my 2023 project or, or predictions and i think you'll be kind of surprised on where i stand on a lot of this you know a lot of people are saying you know i'm adamant that the market's not going to crash uh, but I, I have some really good content in that video coming out. I like it. Eternity Chris says, uh, our offer just got accepted today with 6% seller concession. That is awesome. Wow. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar, seller concession is basically where uh, you can negotiate with your real estate agent to um, have the seller pay a portion of your closing costs. And so when we say 6%, that means 6% of the purchase price towards your closing costs. So uh, on a $300,000 home, 6% is $18,000. So the seller at the closing table would give you $18,000. They're not gonna hand you $18,000, but it's got the it's gonna be a credit on your loan estimate um, to take down your closing costs. So that's fantastic. And it's a really interesting sign as we've been hearing like the market being, uh, you know, was super hot and you have multiple offers and people are bidding over the asking price. And now we're seeing this kind of weird neutral ish market and like flipping to a little bit more of a buyer's market in different pockets um, where people are able to negotiate these seller concessions. Um, and I'm curious. And that that is the norm. You know, this yeah. is a good pickup to where, what you want to talk about in a little bit about the cash offers and FHA loans coming back. Um, because, you know, with the FHA loan, a lot of people have the three and a half percent down but they just don't have all the closing cost money. So I actually, yeah. we had a couple pre-approvals today that we did. And one of the young ladies that I spoke with, I'm like, you know, that's, that's the only way to make this work. And I think we're going to probably end up getting it for you uh, because it is a, it's a, it's a market right now that is, it, it's giving back those credits again. Yeah. Um, just want to say uh, to everyone here, uh, Robert, Tony Chappelle, good to see you, man. Uh, Steven, Joey, uh, who else did I miss? Carol, Stella, Jeremy, 
Uh, I see your questions. We're going to get to those here in just a second. I just want to make sure that uh, you're all... But on, uh, on Eternity Chris, you. Um, Eternity Chris, if you are, if you're pre-approved already, uh, then Kyle, this might be one that, you know, they're already pre-approved. Maybe we can see if we can beat their rate or give them, you know, help them out in closing costs and so forth. Yeah. Uh, my email's in the description. Feel free to email me. Um, you can also use the tool that we have, which says let, let us beat your loan estimate. And you can upload your loan estimate there. And then that kind of saves you the hassle of, you know, if you don't want to, uh, if you're a phone adverse like I am <laughs> and don't always want to hop on the phone with somebody, uh, you can do that and we can get that started for you pretty quick. Um, Joey said, is there a 2-1 buy down product available for investment properties? Good question. I'm trying to remember if 2-1 is available on investment. I, I, I want to say- I'm almost positive it's only your primary home. That's what I was thinking. I was trying to figure out if there was another option. Buy down investment. You know what, and that's, that's something that, and I apologize, I should be more uh, up on, on that program. Because the market's finally starting to shift, you know, if we the, the only way to make that 2-1 buy down work is to have somebody else pay those costs for you. Because otherwise you're just preloading your loan up front with all that interest. So it really doesn't save you as the buyer any money. So what we really want to do is we want to have the seller or the builder pay that cost for you. Well, up until now, most builders and most sellers aren't willing to do that. You know, there is a bidding war. Now you're starting to see the tables turn a little bit. So you're going to have sellers agreeing to start paying some credits back and other things. So that's a, that's another area we'll, we'll get our pencils sharpened. So we, you know, when this question comes up again, we know oh, exactly. Well, I got the answer for you and I got the guidelines. <laughs> uh, for a temporary buy down, it's for principal residences, secondary homes. It is not for investment properties, cash out or arms. The main reason why it's, even if it was available for investment properties, you have a 2% seller credit cap on a buy down anyway. And you're gonna go over that uh, with a 2-1 buy down in most circumstances that I've seen. And you, um, do you, have, you have a video explaining the 2-1 buy down, right? I certainly do. Okay. Um, if you guys are interested and you're, you're a little confused when we start talking about the 2-1 buy down, uh, check out Kyle's channel and he's got videos. I'm sure it nails it out of the park. Um. Oh wait, Eternity Chris said, uh, John uh, from our team is, is the one who's been helping and he's amazing. Oh, awesome, cool. Fantastic. That's great to hear. Um, so we're gonna pause on Q&A for a second. Please keep asking your questions in the chat. Um, do really wanna quickly talk about, uh, you know, from talking about seller concessions into a little bit of kind of the state of the market and what's been going on. Um, so let me pull up this, uh, this article here and, and Dan, please chime in whenever you'd like. Um, don't let me talk for too long. <laughs> um, this was actually surprising. This, this article sent me, I'll say parts of it are surprising, but as you get into the, the guts of it, I, I get it because people have got have made so much wealth in the past two, three years in real estate. Now, if you're on your second or third house, you probably just cash out. Like I just talked to a young man in California, bought his house. I, I, I won't say it's that long ago. And he bought it. He owes about one hundred fifty thousand on it. He bought it for like three hundred, and it's now worth seven fifty. Yeah. So, those what they're looking to do. A lot of those people, they're either looking to sell that house, take all that excess funds, and they're moving from California to say, who knows? You know, maybe North Carolina. 
and the cost of living is so much cheaper. They're actually just moving and taking their money there, buying a house cash, and they're they're done. They have no house payment ever again. And that's what a lot of people are doing right now. But go go ahead and you can yeah. caption the, the article. But this is that article yeah. too about FHA that we can discuss. Yeah, so what's really interesting is this article talks about two points that almost seem conflicting in most markets. Yeah. One, where you have more cash buyers in the market. And this is what was happening like two, uh, a year and a half, two years ago, was kind of the big fear is like you have these cash buyers. He's like, <laughs> or uh, as Javier would talk about, the uh, these California cash buyers. So people who you know, had their homes appreciate a ton. They have $100,000 plus in cash from selling their home. And then they go and move to cheaper markets. Um, you know, we're like Phoenix, relatively cheaper to some of the markets in California and, uh, or, you know, Austin or wherever else. And, um, you know, then those markets feeling all the pressure of the demand there. And so this is a little bit of a fear that happened. I think as we saw like this crazy home appreciation happen over the past couple of years. But what's interesting is now when you see this, okay, more cash buyers coming on the market. First of all, it's pretty relatively low um, compared. It's not like the end of the world and most offers are cash, uh, but also a new influx of FHA loans um, or FHA buyers. And what was happening, you know, somewhere around two-ish years ago and the start of kind of this crazy home value appreciation madness is um, sellers were getting multiple offers. And unfortunately, sellers have, and a lot of real estate agents, have this weird view that conventional loans are the best loans and they're going to close uh, that transaction the smoothest uh, over something like an FHA loan or a VA loan. And, you know, Dan, you can speak to this. We'll get to that in the second part of the article. Um, but it's just really interesting to see how uh, people's perception of FHA has changed as the market is more shifting into a bit more of a neutral territory and all that to say like if you're looking at getting pre-approved and you get pre-approved fha or va or usda or any government loan like that and you're looking to put in an offer things are looking a lot more favorable for you even though there might be slightly more cash buyers you have a lot more leverage uh like eternity chris was saying like six percent seller concessions maybe not every market can support six percent but you can come in with something like an fha loan that is less favorable in the eyes of a seller for some reason um, and, uh, so we, we can get to that here in just a second, but, uh, here's the chart that they show about, uh, homes purchasing cash and they say reaches an eight year high. And I also just want to cover this too, because sometimes you see headlines like this and there's this immediate thought like, well, here it is. Here's the crash. Like <laughs> there's all these, like, uh, I feel like we assign a lot of meaning to headlines sometimes when you actually look at this, uh, compared to, you know, we saw this height somewhere around, you know, 2014. So right now they're showing around 32% of homes purchased in cash. Um, and basically we have this seasonal trend that happens and things have been trending slightly upwards. And this is primarily like they talk about in this article because of higher interest rates, not necessarily because of, um, people are super heavy handed, uh, in the equity that they have, like we saw, you know, a couple years ago. Um, so we did want to get down here to, yeah, go ahead. Over the last couple of years, what was happening is, and you guys know, is there was a feeding frenzy when it came to, you know, buying a house. So the seller would sit there and they would get off. As soon as they put their house on the market, they get offer after offer after offer after offer. So now they just pick and choose the best one that they feel comfortable with. Well, what happened was, is nobody was accepting FHA loans. So we have a whole stable full of realtors. So I, I just reached out to a bunch of them and said, you know, 
why? Why why isn't anybody taking that those offers? And they said, well, mainly is because if the appraisal doesn't come in uh, at value, um, the FHA loan can be kicked out of its its contingency clause, like in your contract. But what really happens in the background is FHA appraisals are a little more thorough than conventional appraisals. So they look at, you know, if there's peeling paint on the exterior of the house, well, that needs to be fixed. You as the buyer would want that fixed. What was happening is the sellers are like, I don't even want, I don't want any issues. So I'm going to accept either cash or conventional offer because conventional mortgages or their appraisals, they, you can have cracked windows, you can have peeling paint, you can have you can have things because it's not as in depth as an FHA appraisal. Mm-hmm. But now what's happening is sellers are starting to freak out because they're not getting you know 50 offers in the first hour, so they're sitting back saying, okay, well maybe we now should entertain any offer because we're, you know, we might be in a need to sell the property. So now you're seeing even the valid proof is right here in one of the contexts is somebody's getting a 6% credit back from the seller to help them cover closing costs. A year ago, there was no way in the world that would happen. So that's why FHA is now starting to come back because the sellers are saying at this point, you know, I'll take any offers. And I'm not saying they're desperate, but they want to get full value of their house and they're giving everybody the option to buy at this point, which is fantastic. There's also this weird thing I I've seen from realtors sometimes where they they almost use FHA as or they see an FHA offer come in and they immediately assume something about the buyer and the the yeah, buyer yeah they something. think it's- they think this is a bad loan this is a they have bad credit they have a low income or, or whatever um, which is just it's amazing to me because FHA is really the one of the most lenient loans. So what they don't, what realtors don't realize, uh, you know, because we, we see it on the back end is like conventional deals can be kind of finicky. Uh, unless yeah. you know, if you're if you're on the line with conventional, like let's say you're at maybe a 630 credit score with a conventional loan and maybe you have, a, you know, you're kind of on the line with your debt to income. Uh, things can flip pretty quick. Uh, even a really high, you know, homeowner's insurance quote might flip things over or maybe uh if taxes weren't um, disclosed or, or weren't fully uh, estimated correctly in the beginning based on like new information from the county, that can flip things very quickly. Um, whereas on an FHA loan, it allows just so much more movement as the yeah. deal goes on that it's actually a much more stable loan through the closing process than a conventional one. And so it's always frustrating to me when when people do that. And it's like, who cares? Even if that was the case, uh, like the seller ultimately just wants the deal to close and they want their bottom line number outside of that it shouldn't matter uh, you know the like is this person actually you know should they be buying this house or or whatever that looks like um they clearly have done their work to make sure that they're comfortable buying this house uh and so it's it's a little frustrating running into those things so for me i always like seeing these options open up um because that puts more options uh in the hands of home buyers to uh, not feel like they're getting suffocated by people who have commit who qualify for conventional and have extra money to throw around for appraisal contingency waivers and appraisal gaps and uh, earnest money and putting higher than the purchase price down or not down but higher than the purchase price offers um, really puts leverage back in homebuyers hands um, and it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens in the next maybe six months 
if the market's going to tip in the other direction from being in this kind of neutral state um, or if it's going to still kind of waver in this weird thing. I did want to get your opinion on this, Dan. Um, I feel like what I've been seeing or... Okay, so... I used to think that I was crazy (laughs) because... uh, Yeah, (laughs) you hear all this data about housing, right? Um, Like, there's new articles every day uh, that are, they almost like seem like, oh, here's another thing happening. Here's how everything's falling apart again. Here's how it's even harder uh, to be able to get a home. And I would see all that. And then I would see my local market, especially like when I was shopping for a home um, just Mm -hmm. a few months ago. And I was like, this isn't matching. Like the narrative is not matching my market. And I I don't know why it took me so long to like for it to actually like click in there of I feel like a lot of people are riding off of the advice of national news uh, and trying to apply it to their very specific market. And the problem is a lot of that national news is skewed by a lot of these heavier markets where you have markets like Nashville or Austin or Sacramento that are really kind of skewing the the data a little bit. And granted, a ton of people live in those markets, um, but I, a lot of people in the U.S. also don't live in huge high cost right. of living areas. And I just feel like everything is, the narrative is only serving people who live in those areas. And it's not telling the full story of what's happening in local markets. Well, look at, here, just an example. And just, I'll, I'll give you a challenge for tomorrow. Like every morning I get up, I turn on the radio or whatever, or the news or something else, and I take a shower. And what what do you hear in the news? Like just after you watch Kyle and I, I, I challenge you, turn on the news. The first thing you're going to fi- hear, there was a shooting, there was a robbery, a house fire, a train crash. It's all bad news. Why? Well, it gets people's attention. Okay, so you have a lot of YouTubers and I've been banned from many, many of those, as, as you know, is because I'm not on the bandwagon. I don't want to preach fear and concern and whatever. My goal is to educate those out there just on real estate. I've been doing this for 30 something years. OK, so 10 years from now, we're going to look back at these times and saying you won't even remember what it is. But you got to look back. I, I did a lot of focal on this and I probably dove in deeper than I wanted to. And I'll just answer it this way bad news or the fear mongering gets the clicks and by all means check out some other people that do videos and their their basic fear is like for example you'll you'll see a headline saying you know foreclosures are up 1100 percent in the past year okay the first thing you would think is oh my god the world's crashing again well what you don't understand unless you're in this is foreclosures there was a moratorium on foreclosures throughout the whole country during covid so if you can't foreclose on anybody and you have two the following year, well, the increase is huge. Okay, so you have to really check out the context. And what I also say is basically on your point, you're in Dayton, Ohio. I'm from a small town in West Virginia. I was just back there. You know, house prices aren't going up 20 and 30% a year. They're staying on the trajectory of the norm three, four, five percent a year. So a lot of areas aren't getting affected. But again, if we came out and said, you know, house prices are flat this year, up another three percent and mortgage rates, nobody would click. Nobody cares. You need the hype. So the hype is foreclosures are going crazy. The housing market is going to crash worse than it's ever crashed ever. And you look at those videos 
and you try to find content in there but all they do is it's they spew the same information day after day after day how you know sacramento is down you know 15 percent. well they didn't tell you prior to that it was up 50 percent in the last two years so if i had a house and i was up 50 percent in two years then all of a sudden in, in six months it dropped 10 I'm still high-fiving somebody because I'm still way up. What so it's, I'll just leave it at this. It's, yeah, it's what marketing. What I've seen a lot recently with, uh, with home appreciation is people talking about, you know, how last year uh, it was closer to 15%, but let's say, let's even go lower to say home appreciation last year was 10%. Because um, I think it was it was like 15 to 17, but I, I'm not going to be able to do the math in my head if I if that 15. But again, uh, when you're talking that you're, you're talking the the overall economy or the overall country. Yeah. So you know, what did Dayton do last year versus what did Miami do? Yeah. You know, because well, what ends up happening, and I've seen a lot of people do this with uh, the home value appreciation reports recently, is let's say appreciation was 10% last year. And now the year-over-year appreciation is 7%. The headline for that video or the headline for that article or whatever now is home value appreciation drops by 30%. Yes, exactly. When that appreciation didn't, it was the acceleration yeah. of the appreciation. Yeah, she's got to join one yeah. stream. Uh, so you, like, that's where it's, you get it, I get it. What I what I tried to do in 2022 was to educate people of, of exactly that, saying, guys, you got to read the details. So on my channel, what I do on a daily basis is I provide the context. I, I'm not making the decisions for you guys. That's why Kyle and I are on here every week saying, okay, don't buy unless you have your reserve money can afford the payments, can afford, you know, Kyle just bought, he just bought and he's in the business, has been in the business. So you have to really dive past the headlines and the banner ads and really read the details. And that's what I try to do really heavily on my channel is to debunk those, those narratives and explain to yes, that the foreclosures are up 1100%, but here's the real truth behind that story. And the why is always the biggest point that I try to explain to people, the why is behind it all. Mm. So sorry for it. my tangent, but it, it really drives me nuts because a lot of people are, have been sitting on the sidelines for the last two years waiting for this crash that hasn't occurred, who knows it'll occur, and they missed out on the lowest rates ever in history. You know, yeah. so that was, I'm just, I just want to provide, you know, we just want to provide yeah. facts and education. A lot of material. it too, what I found is like, it comes from a little bit of like a, it's a very privileged position to assume that people can just stay where they're at or they don't have to leave their current situation. To just say that like people are going to buy in this like vacuum. Like be, uh, yeah. when people talk about housing in this way, they talk about it as if like there isn't an alternative to consider where there are a lot of people who are getting out of a divorce or a bad relationship and they need to find somewhere to live and the rental options aren't going to work for what they want. There are other people who, I, I've worked with a lot of buyers who they were uh, renting and their house was filled with mold and their landlord wouldn't do anything about it and you know, a lawsuit would take forever and they're like, we just have to get out of here and find something that works for our family. Or you have families who are growing. Um, you have people who are downsizing. Like When we're talking about housing, it's there's way more to consider that we're actually using a house for. Like there's a, a quality right. of life that's inside of it, not just the pure numbers of it. Um, and of course, we don't want to make 
terrible decisions. Um, but I feel like everyone talks about this as if there's no alternative or that like somehow renting isn't any cost. We're like, I, I've rarely been able to run the math where renting. Yes, I do see you. I see you. Uh, where <laughs> renting is a better financial option than buying over a five-year period of time. Um, so it, I don't know. It's just very interesting to hear people talk about this. And these are everyone who usually is like uh, saying things like that. They already own their home and are usually in a very comfortable financial situation and aren't experiencing where I find a huge it amount odd, of change. Though, my, my area that finds it odd, and we can leave it at this, is all the that so many realtors are out there telling people, you know, this market is terrible and it never buy a house and blah, blah. Well, why would they be telling you that? I, I didn't really ask their opinion because, you know, people do still want to buy a house. Would I be reaching out to that realtor to use that realtor to help me buy a house? If I see every day, they're just sitting there saying, oh, housing is overpriced and rates are too high and this and that. No. So the job, like I, my, our job is, I don't, I'm not, we're jo our job isn't to you know talk you into a buying a house. It's to educate you guys, and then when you do, do decide, okay, now's the right time. Reach out to us, and we can walk you through basically from step one all the way to the keys in your hand. But that's we we just provide education. Take it for what it's worth. But there's no reason why you know I always say to people, why am I going to give you bad advice? Because if you that that's what I do every day on YouTube. You're going to just start posting down below. You know, I'm full of it. And nobody would ever use us. So yeah. that's enough on that topic. I think. Should we get back some Q and A? Good, good, good our... bring up. It's that that that's you just hit my little pet peeve. If you didn't realize that, <laughs> it's just because there's so much false information out there that you just try to debunk it. But it, it's hard to do because people were making a lot of money on YouTube just pumping that, yeah. pumping that to, fear. To me, my big thing is just there's people have. So, okay, every friend that I know who's purchased a home, every family member I know who's purchased a home, uh, and probably 95% of the clients I've talked to uh, that I've helped get a loan, uh, always buy a home for reasons other than money. Something Second. else is going on in their life. Their job changed, uh, their relationships changed, their family changed, they're exploring new areas, Something changed and a house needs to be conducive to that lifestyle change. Everything in, everything in my life is not boiled down to uh, the the bottom line number. Otherwise, like... Yeah, we're not, <laughs> I would, my house value go up this year or not because if it didn't, yeah. I'm selling. No, I, I yeah. love it here. All right, let's get in some uh, Q&A. My cat's name is Bloom and she is uh, sometimes needy and sometimes she wants nothing to do with me. Uh, Joseph said, I just got pre-approved for an FHA home loan. Um, I had a bankruptcy over two years ago and just became qualified. I have the 3.5% down payment. Are we more in a market where the seller will cover closing? Hey, we just talked about that. <laughs> uh, great outro. Um, yeah. Abraham Gonzalez, luxury card store, Miss Shadow Llama, uh, V Quez, uh, thank you all for being here. We're going to get to your questions here in just a second. Um, Jackie Moon said, if you're looking at your at buying your first home, what would you say is a common mistake to avoid? You got one from the top of your head that you can you can think of? 
just get your ducks in a row at the beginning because here's we had a I had a consultation today of a young man actually in Illinois looking to buy and I said you know just because you might think you're in a great position where it comes to income and credit and everything it doesn't it doesn't hurt to just check on things and what I mean by that is don't assume your credit is perfect don't assume that the income that you make can can be qualified or used to qualify you into buying a house. Don't assume that the money you have set aside is can be used to buy that first house. Um, because those are all the areas that people really kind of just assume, well, my credit's probably good enough or maybe there's nothing I can do with that. Well, there probably is. Like I pulled credit on a young lady today and when we pulled her credit, they, her credit scores come up and then below that was a plus number. And usually that plus number is 8, 10, 12, 12 points. Hers was like 90, okay? What the plus number means is if we did some things to the credit, she can actually get her credit scores raised by 90 points. Well, if you call me or you call Kyle or you call any of us, you know, 30 or 45 days prior to buying, there's nothing we can do. But if you call now, we can pull your credit. The credit's good for 120 days. And we can advise you saying, hey, you have a, you have a 640 credit score right now. By doing a few things, we can get you to 680. You know what that's going to do for your rate? You might get a half a percent lower in rate. So those are the things that we can do. Your income, it's depending on how long you've been on your job. What kind of income is it? Is it your base pay? Is your base pay plus overtime, commissions, bonuses? Can all that money be used? So a lot of times you might think you're in a really good position, and you might be, but it doesn't hurt to check. So those are the those are what I would consider, you know, do your due diligence now before the time comes that you have to buy that house because a lot of people are going to start looking right now because a lot of leases come due in March, April, May. So a lot of people are starting to look right now. Don't wait till 30 days prior to your lease ending to start the ball yeah. rolling and getting in or pre-approved for a home. Yeah. That's why the channel is named this when the house you love is to me the uh my theory is that the more educated you are, the more prepared you are about the home buying process, the easier it is for you to find a house that you love and to be able to win it because you're going to be competing against other people who want the same house that you do. And uh, there's a lot of things outside of our control. Uh, you know, some, we can control a little bit of how much money we make. We can control, you know, a little bit of how much we save. But there are a lot of these things like the market and you know, the jobs that we choose to have that don't always lend our put us in the best uh, financially favorable situation. Um, and that's not the worst thing in the world. So the thing that we can do is really have as much knowledge as possible um, to help you stand out if uh, if other things aren't working in your favor. And Andy, nice. Andy Cooper said, I won the house I love because of Kyle. <laughs> that's awesome. And the reason um, why we do the conversations is to basically find out what you don't know because you don't know what you don't know, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I always say, you know, what are you looking for? Why? When are you buying? When are you looking to buy? How come? You know, all these things. I put you through a whole big thing because we want to make sure you're in a good position and you're 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 going to be happy. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey five Jeffrey J five seven says thanks. I haven't missed or been late on any payments. Um, he charged me twelve percent interest only payments, which is why I need to refinance. Uh, this is the uh, this is the private financing yep, deal. Yep. Um, you shouldn't have again. All we would need from you, please schedule a consultation. I, I have I have several openings tomorrow and Friday. Um, so even if you want to get in this week, um, 
yeah, we could, I would talk you through that, but we would need a copy of all the, the paperwork that you signed for the, the, that hard money loan. Um, and then just proof of payments. You might do it through, you know, your bank account or whatever. We can, we can do that. But yes, we, we would love to help you. Um, Jackie Moon says, as a prospective homeowner, are there any programs I should look at? Um, the, not a program specifically, but there has been a change with conventional loans that you probably will be able to take advantage of. Um, and this is just through any standard conventional loan. Um, but there used to be basically a fee uh, for a lot of people who were getting a conventional loan. And that fee was actually a slightly higher interest rate. Um, but if you're a first time home buyer and you make under percent under a hundred percent of the area median income, which we can help you, you know, look that up. Um, you actually qualify for a rate discount. Um, and that's a really great thing that takes zero extra work on your part. It's not some special program. There's not some, you know, super detailed requirements other than having, you know, those, those two things, first time home buyer under hundred percent area median income, uh, and you qualify for that rate discount. And we can help you explore that if you'd like to, it also works with every lender that you talk to, but, um, that's what I would personally make sure that, uh, uh, you'd want to get because I had one, I quite a bit of somebody state. today and the rate was one the rate was one percent lower than it otherwise would have been yeah it's a pretty nice uh pretty nice change um that's in there yeah um uh ali point 2.0 said can you explain land contract and what makes a conventional loan better than a land contract and doesn't make sense for someone who has a good credit score to use a land contract um, a land contract is effectively when the seller is functioning as your lender rather than a mortgage company acting as your lender. Um, and like, uh, oh, Jeffrey J57 mentioned, um, being charged 12% interest is uh, not an uncommon thing to experience with land contracts or seller financing because the seller does ultimately get to choose um, what the financing terms look like. and. I've seen a couple land contract deals that I'm pretty sure a financial regulator would not be happy with because sellers, private sellers do still have to like abide by the law, even if they're giving private loans. Um, they do still have to like, <laughs> they still have to do due diligence and can't charge insane fees, but I have seen it happen all the time. Um, there was a, a group of people I helped out of a batch of land contracts because they were in summer deals where it was like, it was like 12% uh interest only and so these people had been making payments for like five to ten years um making no dent in their equity had been paying thousands of dollars and i was sitting there looking at like i don't know how this is legal um but we refinanced them into conventional loans uh some of them fha loans that way they could get out of that they could pay half the same or half of the amount in interest um, and then also actually be able to build equity in their house. So it is an option. It's just one that comes with more risk and is usually a higher cost too. Something else to watch out for. And I've had this, I've seen this happen where you, the person went under land contract was there for two, three, four years. And all of a sudden the person that they were paying was getting foreclosed on. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's like, so that's great. They, yeah. So the person that was financing it on the behalf of the seller in that case, they lost the house. So ultimately, the person that was yeah. buying it via land contract lost everything, lost all their payments and everything. So it just went poof. So not yeah. the most prudent way to do it unless you have to. But if you got good credit, down payment money and everything else, unless their terms, here's what I would check. Make sure the house is free and clear. They don't have any liens. 
because if they miss any payments, that house is getting foreclosed on and there's nothing you can do about it because the bank has the lien on the house. If the house is free and clear, make sure that they file the land contract. They filed at the courthouse. So it's a valid lien against the property with you. And then the all the other thing is if and when the tax laws change again, make sure you're able to, they're going to issue you what's called a 1099 INT to show you how much interest that you've paid on that loan. Because right now it doesn't really affect you because the standard deduction on your taxes is, is high and most people don't itemize. But in the future, if and when the tax codes change, that you might be able to write off that interest again uh, on the mortgage. And if you don't, if they don't send you a 1099 INT, then you can't write off that interest on your taxes. Whew, that was in depth. I didn't mean to go over everybody's head. If <laughs> I, I like didn't it. apologize. Um, Miss Madeline, 1974 said, when's the best time to purchase? Um, I made a video on this. I think it's two videos ago. Uh, here are my three rules. Cause I just purchased uh, a couple months ago. Um, I, I think when you buy it shouldn't really depend on the market because no one's ever going to control the market. Historically over uh, the past hundred years, real estate has trended upwards. And even in the downturns, if you bought it the worst time of the market, it would only take you six years staying in that home to break even. Most people are in their home for 10 years plus. Um, so the only time you lose money is if you sell it for a loss. Um, so my three rules, uh, number one is a payment that you can comfortably afford. Um, so there's tons of different rules that you can use with this. I I like the, the doing a practice payment. So if you currently pay $1,000 a month in rent and you're about to go up to a $2,000 per month mortgage payment that you, you know, when you're looking at houses and running the numbers, start paying an extra $1,000 into a separate account. See how that feels. I think that's one of the best ways to figure out if it's a payment that you can actually deal with and isn't going to you know, suffocate the rest of your budget. So buy something that's comfortable. Next is to buy for some plan on living there for five years or more, um, because statistically that's going to weather uh, most of the downturns that we've seen throughout a historical period of home prices. And then third would be having a minimum of a three month emergency fund. This means that um, let's say your monthly expenses to live, like this is your survival number. So it's your gas, your groceries, your utilities, your future mortgage payment, uh, any anything that's an expense to you. Let's say that adds up to $3,000 per month. For some people it might be five, for some people it might be 10. Let's say it's $3,000. After you pay your down payment and your closing costs, you should have $9,000 remaining in your account. And this is so you don't buy a house and wipe out your bank account uh, it's so that if your furnace goes out, you have money for it. It's so that uh, if any emergency comes up, even if it's a non-house related thing, you have a medical bill, whatever, a car problem, you're not pulling all out a credit card or trying to scramble to find money to make that payment. That's going to put you in a much more uh, comfortable situation. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Niall, you said I'm the Bobby Caldwell of real estate influencers. I will take that all day long. <laughs> I like I like some you know who Bobby Caldwell called Caldwell is right I know I you don't. don't oh my gosh I well I can't play any of his music because we'll get we'll get a, a copyright claim but um it's got some nice uh what would you classify that as like it's like sm 70s smooth jazz I don't know um, Edson is there a limit to how many points you can buy down um, on conventional or FHA. Yes. You want to take that? There's, there's yes, there's a usually, well, it's usually about 
two points uh, because there's a lot of federal federal regulations that deem a, a, a loan high cost. And those costs are, you can't exceed 3% in certain areas. Uh, and points and things such as, you know, points and underwriting fees and processing fees and all that do accumulate into that. So if you have 3% total, I see, I see pre-approvals come through or, or loan estimates come through and I don't even know how it's possible where the person's buying a property and they're getting charged six points. It's not even legal. So when, when I get those, I look at them and I'm like, well, I, they kind of have your, your, your loan approved, but they're never going to be able to get that rate because you can't pay six points. It's illegal. So, you know, on most, you're going to be able to charge probably two points because there's going to be other like fees like underwriting and processing and so forth that add up to that total of 3%. Yeah. Not to mention the break-even time on paying that, you know, the, the more pay points you pay down, the longer it's going to take to recoup that money in interest savings. And anything beyond, I really don't like anything be over 1%. Um, and if you're really aggressive, I guess two can be an option. But the time horizon to recoup that money is just, there's usually a refinance opportunity before that time period is up. Um, and that happened, I know uh, one of my friends got a loan uh, and I helped him with it. And he purchased, I forget how much it was, but I wanna say it was somewhere around like seven to $10,000 in points up front. And I was like, I was like, I don't think you should pay this much. I don't think you need to do the points. But he was like, nope, this is what I'm going to do. And then rates dropped and he refinanced a year later. And I was like, hey, remember when we had this conversation? Like, please don't buy down points again because all that money yeah. went out the window. <laughs> um, that guy what kind of means about your break-even point. How much, <laughs> let's say you, you paid $10,000 in points to save yourself $100 a month. It's going to take you a long time to actually break even on that. In most cases, you'll have a, you know, if it's more than two, three years, I would be really reluctant to pay a, a lot of points uh, to get, to buy down the rate. But if you're paying, you know, one, one point, you know, maybe 3000 bucks or whatever, and you're saving a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. It might not be a bad thing to do. Um, but if you're paying five, 10, $12,000 to save yourself, maybe a hundred, 150 bucks a month, I, I, I would pass on that. I think we lost Kyle. We got dead air here. You can see when Kyle's not here, the videos go so much faster. I can't even flick over to the next question. <laughs> uh, that guy, Rye. Hey, bros. Good to see you tonight. Dude, you're here. Well, He's always here. Thanks for coming. He's always bud. here. We can always count on him. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to pay anything. Please don't pay anything. We'll, we'll pop you up on the screen. Um, Jeremy Sanders, we're currently getting our debt to income in balance. It looks like we'll be ready to buy a house in 18 months. Um, so when should we reach out to you? Uh, I would, I'm first would love to hear more about kind of the 18 months mark. Um, cause that's a really far in the future. And, um, if you're wanting it to be a sooner, you know, quicker timeline, then I'd love to see if there's like a strategy we could help with that to, you know, make it a little bit better. Cause I think what a lot of people do with their debt to income is they overestimate how, low it needs to be um, but a lot of loan programs will allow you to go very high so then the question then becomes for your timeline of what's more comfortable for you and if you're in that spot where you're saying hey we have a little bit of a debt problem and we want to solve that before we buy a home 
absolutely buy on the timeline that works for you. Um, I just want to dig in a little bit more on like the reasoning for the 18 month timeline. Um, so as far as when to reach out, I would say like, shoot me an email. I'd love to kind of walk through with this with you a little bit, um, and help you get on a game plan and just make sure that you're not over preparing. Um, unless that's something that you want to do, of course, apps like you are in control uh, of the process yeah. and the speed of this. Um, I just want to make sure that you're not over preparing if you want to buy sooner, because I see a lot of people do this where they think everything has to be perfect and buttoned up. And really all we're trying to do is get a, like, if you want to buy a house, we're just trying to get qualified for a loan. Um, like you don't get style points for having like the cleanest loan file, um, or having the best credit score. Uh, like your underwriter is not going to be like, you did such a good job. <laughs> um, no awards, it's a scary endeavor to buy your first house. You know, yes. I remember my wife and I did that. And right prior to that, we had our first child. So, you know, mm. trying to even figure out when to have your first child is challenging because you're going to have that person around forever. You know, it, it's, it's kind of in the same context to a point I feel, yeah. you know, buying that first house is, is it's tough, you know, cause it, you know, I had a consultation today and the guy's like, I think I'm as prepared as I possibly could be. And I went through everything and he was dead on. I mean, he follows your rules to a T. Um, but it was like, you know, it, it's scary. It's scary. And yeah. I get it. But once you do it, um, you realize, well, that wasn't so bad. And then especially three, five years from now, you look back and say, hmm, you know, how much equity do I have in my house now? Wow, that was a pretty good investment. Or, you know, or I just love going home. You know, I don't have people banging on the door next to me or somebody upstairs running around, you know, in an apartment. Yeah. It's your house. So yeah. that's my two cents. Carol said, uh, can I buy a house if I have an ITIN? Um, yes, you can. You will need a specific type of loan for that called a non-QM loan um, that usually does require a higher down payment. Uh, do you want to tell me what the down it, payment normally, is? I think ITINs are usually, on the top of my head, depending on your credit, you're going to probably need 10% down. If I'm, It's a guess, so it's, but it's kind of an educational guess. Yeah, the um, hard part when you get into some of the non-QM stuff is um, the reason like we don't have the rules off the top of our head is it does change based on your credit score and with certain lenders, other factors um, like you know documentation for income, all of that can change your down payment requirement. Um, and there's we have software that tells us that not uh, can't store all that in our head. The non-QMs, they, they've been around for a couple years, but they really haven't been utilized because the rates were always, you know, double or triple what the normal rates were. You know, when rates were yeah. two and a half, three percent, you know, they were five and six. So nobody there was like, ah, you know, I don't want those. And no, if you were trying to buy a house using those kind of programs, no seller would accept it. Again, now we're back to that. We're getting a little bit back to normal where people are issuing you concessions. They'll take an FHA approval. They're even taking non-QM approvals. So if you want to learn about non-QM, we will have a whole separate event for that as well. Um, I'm Adventurer Prime Fire said, I'm planning on using a loan from the cash value of my whole life insurance for a down payment and reserves on my first house. Um, any problems with that or seasoning problems? Um, no, you're able to do that perfectly fine. There's no seasoning that you need as long as there's documentation in there. As long as when... Uh, you know, we, we ask for the account statements of the whole life policy. You didn't just immediately deposit money from some unknown source and then pull it out because uh, that would effectively be laundering. 
as long as that money's been in there uh, for over two months, then you're going to be fine there. Um, Stella Harris, we're planning to buy a home by July 2023. Isn't it crazy that 2023 is like, I feel like we're hitting that time where it's like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, that's I from saying, why are you even look? I mean, why now? But it's like, it's just months away. I mean, it's days away, 2023. It's yeah, it's four months. Um, when should we start looking, or I'm sorry, when should we look into starting the process to purchase the home on a new build versus an existing home? Um, does the loan type matter? FHA, USDA in the process? You want to take that? Yeah, sure. It's here's I, I always think it's never too early to at least I'll say check. Okay. What I mean by check is, is, you know, so we can go over your credit with you. We can go over your income, make sure because you have time right now that we can help you help you maybe, you know, build your credit up to a higher credit score. You believe you 680 credit score versus a 720 credit score on your interest rate, huge difference. Okay. So that's one thing we can help you on that. We can't, there's really not too much we can do with your income, but we can at least analyze your income to see where you're at. Um, how much money you have in the bank. That's, that's one piece. I talked to a young man today and I said, well, you're looking to do in March, you know, just make sure you put enough money away by then you know, we went over the numbers in most cases, even if you need a down payment, for example, you know, Kyle talks about FHA a lot in other programs An FHA loan, you need three and a half percent down, but there's more to that story. You're going to need three, three and a half percent down payment, meaning that's how much money you, you give it, you put in plus there's going to be other closing costs. Okay. You're going to have what's called title insurance, not homeowners insurance. It's a title title guarantee to make sure that, you know, you're going to be the owner of the property, you know, in the liens and all that stuff that might come to two or $3,000. You're going to have to get homeowners insurance prior to closing. That might be another thousand dollars. So I always tell people, you know, you're going to need at least three or three and a half percent based on the program that you're in. Plus add another, you know, to be cushioned, Add another four or five thousand dollars to that. That's where then you you would have enough. Okay, so those are the things that we talk over you with you and the counseling just to make sure all those ducks are, are in a row. Because if they are, well, then we'll schedule an appointment with you in May. If they're not, let's do something now and at least look at the context so we can at least get your picture and say, okay, here's where we can help you. You know, build a better credit profile for yourself to get a lower rate. Yeah. And that lower rate is going to mean a lower payment. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey, you said, I have a call scheduled tomorrow to uh, discuss my refinance, op refinance options. Um, he said, he said, Kyle's still thinking you're rocking the mustache. Was that a question or that's a statement? <laughs> oh, dude. I was going to actually, remember you said I need to shave to get a mustache a couple weeks ago? I was actually going to put like something on here to make it look like I shaved my, my beard. All right, here we here we go. I think we already did a poll before once doing this. Okay, should Dan have a mustache? Yes, I do no. got a mustache. Okay, should Dan have just? Dan Dude, have... I should. Show. Oh, it's not in here. I was gonna say I might have a, a, a one of my wedding pictures in here. I'm in I'm in my one of our dens, and uh, you can see me with rocking a mustache at, at 20. I think I got married at 22. So yeah, I had a mustache. All right, so here's and now, here's the question: Are you going to are you going to follow the poll? Will you follow through? No. What? Okay, that, yeah, <laughs> you got to follow the poll. If here, I'm forcing. Everybody, if you, everybody's going to say yeah. If it's a heavy yes, we're forcing the poll. I will come 
to Chicago and I will personally well yeah I'll, I'll agree do to that. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll pay you just you just give me the time you're going to come up here we Ms. can Shadow do it live on here your face your choice no this is this is not this is the poll's choice poll decides all right right now we're okay. split down the middle 50 50 uh oh all right all right let's see uh okay can there I was vote? a a super chat no and your votes don't count for more uh there was a super chat from i think on your channel uh real estate mindset um dan what do you prefer overall do you hey. when running aus I, I i i watch his videos all the time so i i actually emailed you a few times um you ever watch his he, he always talks bonkers I love I love the guy's channel. So super chat, thank you, chat Dan. What do you prefer overall, D or LP when running AUS? Honestly, I, I run a dual uh, findings, and we just take the the easiest one because what will happen is most of the systems that we use they'll pop up and they'll they'll show you both approvals, and then they'll tell you reserves a lot of times or you know something else. So we go through it and figure out which one's gonna be easier. For example, for a while there, LP would approve, uh, if you were self-employed over five years, they would only require one year of tax returns. That was for a while, and now DU does the same thing. But when we, so when we ran a dual underwrite on that, um, that's we would always pick the, the easiest ones. So there's no rate differential when you when you uh, go to the lenders with that. And there's really you know, both of them are is simple, and that's why we just use a dual system to run both and then pick the easiest approval. But thanks for being on here, man. I'd love to have a, a a collaboration with you. Maybe me, you, and Kyle can do something one of these days. I'd love to have you on here. Um, I'm a little distraught at the moment. What's that? Um, am I so, so far, we got sixty-one percent no's. Wow! Yeah, love you guys. Love you guys. This is a bad poll. Maybe it's just you, buddy. Okay, let's put in there: Should Kyle shave his mustache? No. Or grow no, a goat? No, 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 no. no. Pass. The thing is, I can't grow anything Real else. Life. This doesn't come in. Yeah, great channel, buddy. And that thing is growing like weeds out there. But you're doing a fantastic job. I even watch your videos. Um, Julie Rocky, question again, if lenders only look at the middle credit score to qualify you, do they analyze only that credit report or do they still look at all three credit reports? So I think um, I can help clarify this a little bit for you. So when a credit report gets pulled, um, the credit report actually has three scores and it combines all of the data from all of those credit, credit bureaus in one report. So there's not three separate reports. I guess you could technically pull three separate ones, but it's called a tri-merge, as what it's called on the back end. Um, basically just means three merged together into one credit report. Um, so the reason why they do that is because every once in a while there is uh, a debt that gets reported on TransUnion, but it's not reported for some reason on Experian and Equifax. And the tri-merge pulls it all together. Um, so what ends up happening is we see the middle score, so we, the, th the highest one gets thrown out, the lowest one gets thrown out. The middle one is the one we use. But even if we use, let's say the middle is Experian, we're still going to see all of the debts from uh, TransUnion and Equifax included on there. So that is a great question. And I can definitely see how that gets confusing when it's like there's three credit scores, but there's one credit report. Uh, it's because of this yeah. 
fun thing in the mortgage world called a tri-merge credit report? Great question, though. That is a really good question. I had not considered. Um, it's just those things, you know, like when when we when you work in it, uh, you don't even think that it's like you don't even think of the questions that, you know, uh, yeah. you might run into. Um, so it's, that's what's nice about doing these lives. It's like there's some fantastic uh, perspectives in here. Yep. Um, let me see where we're at here. Uh, Robert, yeah, great news for buyers. Um, all right, I got to end this poll because I'm tired of seeing the nose. <laughs> all right, you win this round, Dan. You get to keep it for a little bit longer. It never, it didn't. I was watching a video the other day of me about two years ago. And it wasn't this white, <laughs> so no, it's it's going white pretty quick, unfortunately. I like the white. Uh, my my dad just recently like he's almost fully gray. Uh, I, I don't know. I like I, I think gray hair looks great. Um, I my mom's she didn't start going gray until she was in her lo early seventies. Um, so I don't have I don't color or anything. I that's my real hair, but this is almost white. Yeah. Whatever. I have, I have some I have some like gray hairs that come in here. Uh, I have quite yeah. a few gray hairs up here as well. Um, every once in a while, there's strength. Is it? Yeah, this it's, business. It's what, this business will do it for you. Um, I was hoping I'd be more tan today. I was in Florida for Christmas, and it was 33. I was telling Kyle right before we went on. I went down there for Christmas, and we went to. If anybody's down in Florida, the Cocoa Beach area. That's where I, I have a home down there too. But uh, Christmas Eve, there was what's called a surfing Santa contest down at Coconuts. It's a it's a bar restaurant. There was probably 50 people surfing in, in Santa outfits and stuff like that. And there was probably, I mean, there was probably five, six, seven thousand people on the beach. And everybody's in their winter coats, hats, gloves. And it was a blast. <laughs> but yeah, I, I spent I, a, a week in Florida in the 30s. That is brutal to go to Florida and it's 30. I made you a uh, tanner. You like that? There you go. You're more tan. Oh, oh there we go. Oh, that was, a, all, it was a good, it I was 80 of stuff we can mess up over here. Ooh, there we go. That, that's like, uh, that's housing crash. I just from visiting the sun. I was at the sun for last <laughs> All right, more questions. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Miss Shadow Llama, I, I see your question. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Miss Madeline, 1974, if I have the down payment, would I be able to get help with the closing costs? Um, yeah, in, in down payment assistance, uh, it kind of all kind of falls under one blanket, whether it's down payment or closing costs. It's not, uh, it doesn't have to go to specific buckets necessarily. Um, so actually what would happen in that si situation with down payment assistance is it would actually cover the down payment assistance and you would just use the money for your down payment for your closing costs. So it all gets, it's one bottom line number. Um, so it doesn't actually really matter what it goes to specifically. Just let me let me address uh, some down payment or seller concessions real quick. Mm -hmm. what, what, what a seller concession is is basically a credit back to you to help you cover some costs. But there was a there was a poster a, a comment earlier that they were getting six percent seller concessions. Well, you have to be careful because those seller concessions can't go toward your down payment. They can only go toward your closing costs, okay? In most cases, you're not going to have, well, I don't know the price of that property, 
but six percent of a of a of a home, let's say the house is you know three hundred thousand dollars, a six percent concession is eighteen thousand dollar an eighteen thousand dollar credit. You probably won't have eighteen thousand dollars in costs. And many times, especially in this market right now, we might want to we, we can use it for your maybe a two one buy down or a three two one buy down or buy down the rates. But it's still that's it's a lot of money. So sometimes what we need to do is talk it over. Maybe we're, you know, a three percent seller concession would work better and having a three percent reduction in the price. So there's a whole bunch of ways you can skin the cat. Maybe that's a bad analogy with Kyle's cat sitting there, but there's there's multiple ways on how to put this thing together, and that's what we kind of try to pride ourselves on. Hey, he's back again. I'm you back. dying on us, buddy? I, I maybe slightly. Okay. Um, it was actually I just had too much tea to drink, so you know. <laughs> uh, Sydney said in the middle of escrow with a builder since July. Um, oh, okay, that's rough. Um, now the market has shifted since then. Can we renegotiate? renegotiate the terms um it's really going to depend on your contract this is where it's really helpful to work with a real estate agent and or an attorney um, who can help you kind of navigate that so the one of the biggest benefits of working with um, an attorney and i think the main benefit of working with a real estate agent is not necessarily that they're going to get you some like magical deal um, that they're going to all of a sudden say something that like sweet talks the seller into giving you some good price. I think the main benefit is that they can help you identify exits in your contract for this these situations. Um, it's that when a, a contract is well structured, you should be able to have multiple points that your real estate agent understands to be able to get you out of a contract and save your money or help you renegotiate um, when that comes up. That is to me the biggest benefit of a good real estate yeah. agent um, and so that's really, it's going to depend on what's in your contract. And um, I would suggest talking with your agent or an attorney uh, to figure out what to, where to go from here. That's a common theme right now with people that are building houses. Just to, just to let you know. And that's why you're seeing a yeah. lot of people backing out. Um, Blue Migo. Dan, if we have a recession and people can't sell their homes, uh, do you believe people will opt out to rent out their home, keeping inventory low? 2008 recession was the opposite high inventory if you can't sell their house do you believe here's let me I'll, I'll address a couple pieces of this do i think i'll first address the recession uh recession's probably here it's probably been passed we might probably hit another one in 2023 because uh surveys out on on many channels is 98 percent of ceos are predicting a recession well, 98% of CEOs, basically, that controls the whole country. So if they're saying we're in a recession, it's going to be basically a self-fulfilled recession. So that being said, normally in a recession, you see mortgage rates and rates, interest rates in general dropping. Uh, people can't sell their homes. I, I don't, it's going to be really hard not to be able to sell your house because it's, again, you might be an older, I won't say an older person, you might have been around in 2008 and 10 to see what happened then. Um, but th that was a whole different animal. Okay, so if you can't sell your house, you probably have a very low interest rate. Um, so it might not be a bad idea to sell or to keep it as a rental. But what are you looking to do after that? Are you looking to buy? Do you need proceeds from that house 
to buy the next house. If you don't, depending on your market area, that's this is where you get a realtor involved as well. How much market rents can you get? Can that offset your mortgage payment? So at least you're washing, meaning it covers your mortgage. Um, but you know, I, I don't see home prices getting down to the point where you shouldn't be able to sell it based on you know, how much you owe or anything on the home because of how much houses have appreciated over time. So did, was I answering that correct? I mean, in the context that you took it as well. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But it's yeah, a, you a, can't a, not a, sell it, you know, and you don't have to, and you could cover the rents, and you don't need the money and whatever. You rent it out as long as you can. But um, in this market right now, I still think you, you'll be able to sell at that house. Yeah. I don't. I don't um, see you know crashing or homes not being on. You know, there's still a big demand. Believe it or not, there is a huge demand for for uh, people still looking to buy houses. Yeah. Um, oh, I was gonna say we have 123 people here. Uh, first of all, welcome if you're new. Um, I feel like every once in a while we probably need to like, hey, this is who we are if you're new to the channel. Um, so Dan and I uh, work together. I'm on. It's always backwards, isn't it? Uh, one day we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna have to practice uh, where we're pointing. Hey, we got it. Uh, so Dan, I'm on Dan's team. And so we're both uh, licensed loan officers in all 50 states. Um, and we work with a team of loan officers. Uh, you can schedule a free consult with us. And uh, our goal is just to help you be able to work through the beginning stages of looking to get qualified for a loan and seeing what your options are and looking at all your decision-making numbers upfront. Um, so we think that's really important to be able to start the process earlier. That way you can make better decisions and have better plans moving forward. That way you don't see a home and you're like, I really need to write an offer on this. And then you find out it's outside of your budget where it's not going to be comfortable anymore. Um, or you feel stressed during the process because you're trying to scramble to get things together and meet deadlines when you could have started a little bit earlier, just done a little bit of prep work up front and made that process a lot smoother. Um, so you can schedule a call. Uh, up here, winthehouseyoulove.com. Um, and then Dan also has a fantastic YouTube channel. Uh, it's Just search his name, Dan Frio, um, or it's also the Rate Update with Dan Frio. Um, and uh, you're also welcome, <clears throat> as I die, uh, you're welcome to email me. My email is in the uh, description, along with a ton of other tools as well. And you do the consultation for this, for this week or next week, maybe even the following week, you'll probably get yours truly. Doing the yep. your one-on-one -on -one consultation, so don't don't make that let you that discourage you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm trying to figure out is that this is that a selling point? I think that's is that a, a selling good point. thing. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> yeah, and it, well, one of one of the reasons why I wanted to join Dan's team is because of the experience that Dan has. Like you've been doing this for thirty plus years, um, yeah. and so that experience says a lot in terms of being able to make deals happen. Um, whereas, you know, the, the more knowledgeable your loan officer is about guidelines and understanding programs, the easier it is to find options for you to get approved or to make things work. Um, compared to if you're just calling a lender that has, it's just like a call center and you have somebody who's newer or isn't willing to put in the work of exploring, you know, how they can get you qualified, um, then you can start running into hurdles that can be pretty frustrating. Uh, Jackie Moon. Oh, we uh, we answered this question. Um, doo -doo -doo. Kyle and I oh, were talking right before this. We know there's a lot of football games on and everything tonight, so we're thinking, man, I hope people show up. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, as a future seller who is not in a hurry to move, um, that sounds like 
a lot of sellers, especially if you have a pretty low interest rate. Um, it makes it tough to want to move somewhere. Um, I'd rather wait for the market to shift back to a seller's market than pay for seller credits. It sounds harsh, but I also need the money to move. Um, yeah, I, I totally get that. And so, yeah, you're absolutely not going to sell if it financially doesn't make sense for you. Um, what is very common with seller concessions or seller credits is to actually raise the purchase price by the amount of the seller credit. Um, and so effectively, the buyer is financing the closing costs. And this is for markets that are um, more, you know, kind of more middle ground. Those really heavy buyer's markets, you may not be able to uh, negotiate that. And, and this is all something that can be negotiated. Um, but I think sometimes what people think is it's like the home is listed for 300000 So it, let's say it's a $5,000 credit that the buyer wants. Um, then you as a seller is only going to net two ninety five, and then you have all of your other, you know, closing costs and your mortgage payoff and everything else in there um, where the buyer can actually come and say, or you can negotiate with your realtor and say, um, I won't do 300 with 5,000 credit, but I will sell it to you for $305,000 with a $5,000 credit. It's the same the, you get the same number. You still get 300 um, and the buyer gets what they want. The only caveat here is the home appraisal does need to come in at that purchase price. And the appraiser is mine, like they do see the contract to see what the credits are. Um, and so something crazy that's really not, the market doesn't support it, uh, isn't gonna fly. Um, but for a lot of people, this is a strategy that works well. The buyer basically financed their closing costs into the purchase price of the home um, to help them with those upfront costs. And you as a seller walk away with the money that you want. Or you could split the difference, list it for $302,050 and, $2 and you know, do it that way or the tons of different negotiation strategies there. So that could be an option um, if you want to. You could also just look at l keeping on the market longer um, and waiting for a buyer who may not ask for seller credits. Uh, all of those are, are options for you. Miss Shadow Llama, question, how to anticipate escrow increases at purchase? Um, our total mortgage amount, including escrow, went up monthly, uh, about $200 per month. 9% um, year one and uh, another almost 10% a year two, messing up the budget percentage. Um, first, you're going to want to look into where is the increase happening? Um, because the escrow for, for people who are unfamiliar with mortgage payments is you have your principal and interest payment. That's what's paying back your mortgage. Um, depending on the loan you get, you have some mortgage insurance uh, likely. And that basically is if you put less than 20% down or you have something like an FHA loan. Um, the escrow is your taxes and homeowners insurance because taxes are usually paid semi-annually and insurance is usually paid annually. Um, instead of having this huge bill due once a year or twice a year, uh, that people often don't budget for, the lender will actually collect that monthly from you and they'll be responsible for paying that, um, out of that account. So the increase here is one of three things. Number one is that the escrow budget was actually set, set incorrectly. Um, so there could be an escrow adjustment where maybe there was too little money uh, planned to be put in there. And there's really no solution to that um, that, I, that I can think of because it's all retroactive. Um, a good example is like, okay, I just purchased a home a few months ago and the seller um, had a homestead credit because they were older than 65. So my taxes, especially because the home value increased from when she purchased it, my taxes are probably going to triple compared to what hers were. 
but my escrow account only collects what her taxes were because the escrow can't anticipate future changes in property taxes. Now I knew that, so I'm comfortable with the budget that I set aside knowing that my taxes are going to increase when the new assessment comes in and the homestead uh, isn't applied anymore. Um, so that's something that like your loan officer should be able to help you identify. Um, I've done that a lot with clients where we can look on the, the auditor's site and see here's a reduction that the seller was getting. You're not gonna get that reduction um, and plan for that appropriately. Um, the other two would be your homeowner's insurance cost. Did that go up? Likely, probably not. It may have increased with the, your home value. Um, and if so, you can always shop for different homeowner's insurance or see a way to uh, increase your deductible or you know talk with your insurance advisor about um, lowering that. The other thing that would increase would be your property taxes. Um, you can petition to have your property taxes lowered or your assessed value on your home lowered. Uh, and if you're successful with that, I would love to know <laughs> uh, because that doesn't seem Call to me. be something that, that changes too much. We, I would love to know your what magic words you said to the county uh, to get them to lower your taxes. Um, outside of that, is there anything that you can pinpoint? $200 a month is a lot. The first the first question I would do is or look at, have them send you an, uh, an escrow analysis because that will basically just show you Here's where your taxes were then, here's where they are now, here's where your homeowner's insurance was, here's where it is now. Where's the difference? You know, one thing is because it is a dramatic increase, I know flood insurance has basically doubled. So do you have flood insurance? Or maybe you had a property claim, like your roof, you had roof damage for a hurricane or some storms uh, where now your, your homeowner's insurance just went out the roof because of that claim. Uh, there, there could be multiple reasons, but the biggest thing is it's not your mortgage piece because your principal and interest is basically tied to the note and you most likely have a fixed rate. So it has to be, you know, either your homeowner's insurance, your flood insurance or your real estate taxes. But ask, ask the lender for a, an, uh, an escrow analysis of where it was versus now and see where that difference is. It'll pinpoint exactly what it is. Yes. Um... As an investor, first loan against FHA. I'm not sure if that was a question. Um, you can't do an FHA loan has to be has to be your primary home. Let's see. All right, we need to do some power hour questions here. Really, really boost okay. through these. Um, Nubian Queen T. Is there a way to get your credit score higher to get a better interest rate? Um, we have almost paid off all our bills we're thinking to close credit cards no please don't close your credit cards that will immediately lower your credit score um, you actually want that credit availability uh, it helps lower your credit utilization because your your utilization is a big part of keeping your credit score uh, good and the utilization is how much available credit do you have how much could you borrow versus how much do you borrow and you want that percentage to be low um, so actually like getting a credit balance increase uh, can actually help increase your credit score because it lowers your utilization. Um, closing your credit card will take away that available credit. It will also reduce your average age of accounts. Please do not close your credit card. It will have a very immediate impact in lowering your credit score. Um, so outside of that, it's really gonna be, so, uh, like we need to take a little bit more of a look at what's going on with credit. Um, like Dan mentioned, uh, what we can do is we can even pull it through like a, a soft pull or it doesn't affect your credit score and take a look at what opportunities are in there. Um, so there's actually software that analyzes it 
and can help strategize. Here's what actions you could take on your credit to be able to add uh, points to your score. Um, and sometimes those are things like opening up a new credit card can increase a score, or sometimes it's really just a waiting game. Um, if you have already paid off all of your bills and you don't have debt, often it can be a waiting game um, to see your credit score increase from there. One of my first videos I did was on credit scores, and I learned I did so much studying to get into that to do that video, and I was all pumped because it was my one of my first videos, and it got like two hundred fifty thousand views, and I'm thinking, really? oh man, I'm the master of this stuff, and then it's gone downhill from there. But I went through it in in detail. Um, you know, check out if you would. I don't know if you go to my channel and just okay. go to the most viewed viewed video. And it's me actually sitting in this room uh, doing a video, and it's you know it was it it, it was put me on the chart actually, um, and it, it was it's there it is. I, I thought it was this. a pretty, pretty good video. So you could probably, I think we painted in here. Yeah, we painted oh, in here, and I changed, moved around some things. But you can see behind me, same doors and the stairs behind me. But yeah, that's me. Dude, I was in there like this. Up. All right, so don't lesson of the day: don't break into Dan's home. Uh, oh, six yeah. you can move that out. There. I had a lot, I had a lot of comments on that, so oh, obviously gosh. I moved it. <laughs> um, cool. That's my email. But yeah, that, check out that. It, it's I I I did a lot of work going into that video, believe it or not, and I hit every base that you can possibly hit on on how what to do to increase your your scores and what not to do. Um. Abraham said, "Is uh, there's a small trailer subdivision with seven mobile homes on it. What kind of loan should I go for? Um, we don't really do anything with mobile homes, and that's primarily because they're completely different types of loans. Uh, they're actually um, function more as a car title. Uh, so you'd need something called a chattel loan, um, or some people even use personal loans. Uh, and we're just not super skilled in the mobile home uh, financing world. Uh, but I'm sure there's some other really great resources that could help you there. Dude, where'd you learn the, learn the word chattel loan? I'm impressed. Is that not what it's called? Yeah, it's called, no. it's called that. No, hardly anybody knows that. Well, in Ohio, we have quite a few uh, you know, mobile home um, parks. And so, yeah. And I, I, I might have been looking to buy the park with the seven mobile homes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. That, your local lender or your local bank you're that right might be that a good option. that's okay that yeah. might be a good option for you because it's going to be it's going to entail a lot of stuff uh in there and uh you know are the mobile homes coming with it and and things like that i would go to a local a bank that does you know in that area because yeah. they'll be way more familiar with things like that and they can actually hold that note they can actually approve the loan and hold the mortgage on on their own books yeah. Where most loans are sold and they transfer all over the place. But yeah, this you're right. We, they're, this they're, is why we do these together. Each, yeah, each one of the each one of the mobile homes has what's called a VIN number, like your your car does, and it's registered. So yeah, it's a chattel chattel loan on that. Um, King of Salty, does my credit score at the pre-approval or time of loan signing get used? Um, I ask this because my credit score should boost up about twenty points after paying off a credit card. And want to make an offer now, um, so it it could be. Well, 
let's say the path that it normally happens, usually it's based off of your credit score from your pre-approval. Um, unless your credit report expires, which usually is going to happen around the four, you know, three to four month mark. It depends kind of when you put your offer in. Um, but as long as your credit report doesn't expire, you can use the one from your pre-approval. Now, if you did pay off your credit card um, and your credit score, you know, is going to go up 20 points. Uh, there's two options that are available. The first one is just having a new credit report pulled. Uh, the risk of sorts in this is if we pull the credit report and that change isn't reflected yet with the bureaus, then we kind of go back to square one uh, because it can take a, quite a bit of time, you know, somewhere around 30 to 45 days to see that actually it has to report for the full cycle um, to the credit bureau. And sometimes that's not as quick as we want that to, to be. The alternative um, is doing what's called a rapid rescore. And this is where uh, we could actually get documentation from the credit card company showing that it's paid off. Um, and then the the credit, um, basically the company that issues credit reports would pull in that information, then have that immediately updated with Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, and then that would immediately uh, improve your score if that's what paying off the credit card would do for you. So both of those options are available. Um, if you're wanting to put in an offer now, I don't know, would you go the rapid rescore route now or would you wait to pull a new report? Here's here's the tough thing is I would do a pre-approval now based on everything. Um, we, you don't really know for sure that it's going to go up 20 points, but what you could do is you can go to like my FICO or something like that, pull your credit, you know, maybe 30 days after you, you, um, you paid off all your cards. So my FICO is basically going to be the same credit scores that we see, but I don't, I don't want to pull it because if I pull it, I'm most likely going to have to use it. Okay. So like Kyle said, we might be shooting ourselves in the foot there. So what I would have you do is I'd have you go to my FICO or some system that, that really reports your true credit scores, which I know my FICO does, and you pull your credit before I do. Okay. Because the rapid rescore, we can go down that route. It's really expensive. Okay, to, to, to get an account um, updated or rapid rescored per repository, meaning per credit reporting system like TransUnion, to get one one rapid rescore, I think it's like 125 bucks. Yeah. So you get to have to get it on all three bureaus per account. So it, it can be really expensive, too expensive in most cases if there's multiples. So I would advise you to go out and we would do this during yeah. the loan process. I'd have you go to my FICO probably every couple of weeks, spend $13 or whatever it is, get the report. Let's see if they've been yeah. updated. And then once they all are updated, I'll go back in, repull it on our end, and then I'll redo the the whole loan. We won't yeah. have to really do anything. It'll just get you a better rate. But well, yeah, we can do that. Too I would, I would is do assuming, that the big question is assuming that 20 points does change the interest rate. Uh, it's possible. Yeah, like if, let's say you have a 740 score, and you, you know it would go up to 760. Good you're not going to get a you're yeah, not going to get point. a better rate. And so uh, there's all yeah. those considerations that like we would we would put in uh, with that before taking that option. Because um, it's possible that you know 20 points won't change. It's possible that 20 points will change. Um, it really just depends on some of those unique circumstances that we could yeah. take a look at. Uh, Luke, in Florida, there are state-funded first-time homebuyer perks for healthcare workers. Uh, you're mentioning the Hometown Heroes program. My mortgage broker is recommending against it. Is it a red flag that they're dissuading me? Um, it, I don't think it's necessarily a red flag. Um, 
it depends on why, first of all, why, why are they dissuading you from that program? Um, with a lot of down payment assistance programs, they can have a higher rate or I hate using the word like strings attached to it because it feels like it's not that insidious. Um, but most down payment assistance programs aren't just free money. Uh, usually there are terms associated with it. Um, for a lot of community uh, down payment assistance programs, it will be they'll uh, like a silent second mortgage where maybe you don't even have to make a payment on it. But when you go to sell it, you might need to pay back a portion of that. Um, for instance, there's one around here where it's uh, if you sell it, no matter how long you've lived in the home, you have to pay back half of it. So that cuts into your equity at the time of selling. selling. Um, there's other programs where you just have an increased interest rate. Uh, and so often those aren't the most um, aren't the best like financial options up front. However, they could be an option if you do need the money uh, for down payment or closing costs. Uh, you want to add anything to that? Now that most of the time we will analyze it. Would look what I'd have you ask is ask your loan officer why. Okay. And that, that'll be a common theme. If you ever you know, talk with me, I always like to know the whys. Why would, why are you dissuading me from that? Is it the cost? Here's how most of the down payment assistance program work. It'll give you say 6,000 bucks, but to get into that program, it's going to cost you $1,500, the application fee to get into that package and the rate, let's say the going rate six and a half. Well, the rate on that is seven. So you have to analyze it. Is it worth is it worth that? You, you got five thousand. It costs you fifteen hundred, but you get so you netted thirty five hundred bucks, and you got a higher rate. So, if you, I always say it this way: if you really have no money, and you're looking, to, you still would like to buy. There's some there's some of these options out there, but if you can scramble up the money, it's always more prudent to go without um, most of these down payment assistance programs because how hit it right on the butt. But most of them have strings attached that don't make a lot of financial sense, especially over a three to five year time frame. I was wondering why I wasn't, I was like, are we even live? Cause I wasn't seeing any new comments and it's uh, I didn't update the page. That's why I was okay. Uh, just me trying to figure out what in the world's going on. Um, let's see, let's see here. I'm just glad I didn't have to do this from my phone today. <laughs> we had to scramble around right before we went live because I was down in my basement where I usually have the setup and my internet for some reason was just terrible. So I had to move upstairs right at the last minute. So I'm using my my laptop's uh, camera and everything. So sorry, I'm not high def like Kyle, but I'm here. <laughs> Luke said, thanks for an answering. You're welcome. And Luke, is it? are you the Luke that I know? Because I'll say your picture looks, I think you're the Luke I know without, I don't want to. I don't want to add some little doxing in here. Um, you'll know what I mean. Um, or you're just another look that looks very similar with the same name. Uh, back botch, back bock, potato. Uh, do doctor loans allow 0% down? And would it be a good idea to put 0% down in this market? Um, whether you, well, first, I can address the second question first. Whether you put 0% down now or later doesn't really make a difference. Or if you sell and bring money to the closing table, it's all this, the math all is the same. Um, the only difference is if you go and spend that money on something else. So putting 0% down in any market doesn't really change your financial situation because that money is either tied up in your home or it's sitting in an account somewhere or you spent it. 
Um, so in that instance, like doing, uh, you're forcing yourself to have a down payment just forces you to not be able to use that money for anything else. Um, does that make sense? Do I, am I explaining that like? Yeah, but I, 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 the thing that pulls out, shows on up to me is uh, in this market. So my, I guess my question would be, how long are you planning on staying in that house? Because if you have a very short term du duration um, that you might have to sell it, I probably wouldn't be a buyer in this market if you're not putting any money down because if we do have, you know, it depends on the area that you're in as well. So let's say your your area has a 10% correction and you have to sell next year. You're going to have to bring a lot of money to closing. Um, so, you know, that it's, but if you, like, like Kyle was saying earlier, if you plan on spending, you know, five to 10 years in that property, you know, I, I would, I would take that deal all day long. You know, a zero yeah. percent uh, down in you know in this market. Yeah, I'd rather have my cash sitting in my account than sitting in in that in my mortgage account where I can't get access to it. Right, uh, Janet Santiago. I have a question. Is it easier to get approval if you are a W two uh, buyer? How many years do you have to be W two in order to get a loan approval? Um, it is easier to get a loan approved with a W two, but marginally. It's not like other loans are super difficult to do. Um, there are some more complexities that come with people who have uh, 1099s or different types of self-employment. Um, W-2 certainly is the easiest um, option, but it doesn't mean that all the other options are super hard. I feel like sometimes when people hear that, they think, oh my gosh, that means it's going to be really difficult to get approved self-employed. There are more options for self-employed borrowers than there are for W-2 borrowers. Um, yeah. You know, If you have a W-2, you kind of just get like one option there's, there's no flexibility yeah. if you're self-employed there's like new options 1099 income yeah. cash flow debt servicing all kind of different things yeah yeah um, i'm the one yeah. who analyzes all the corporate returns and the self-employment returns and it's crazy how many people the, the write-offs people take so one of the things i tell the people that are self-employed is don't go just completely crazy on your write-offs to write everything down to zero because you're never going to buy a house. Yeah. Um, and then your question, how many years do you have to be W-2 in order to get a loan approval? Um, so you need a two-year income history is what most loans are going to look at, but it doesn't have to be specifically W-2. I feel like a lot of times people hear two-year history and they think two years, one specific job. Um, and actually mortgage guidelines are a lot more flexible than that. Um, you can actually get an approval if you have a two year history of working temp jobs um, or working with like one specific temp agency and working multiple different jobs. Um, if there's a history that's stable, that can be used. And so for instance, um, let's say even if you were working like a 1099 job and you just recently got a W-2 job and it's supported with like a strong job offer and we can document that uh, with like a pay stub as well, um, then there isn't a long history needed with a W-2. Really the, the history that um, slows people down or the thing that slows people down is when they're switching from W-2 to self-employed. That's when the brakes get put on and it's a two-year waiting period. Unless you're in a very unique circumstance where you were like a W-2 graphic designer and then you started your own graphic design freelance business and then it's one year uh, in that job because you had the experience directly from the W-2, but it, it has to be that level of like similarity in the work. It can't just be W-2 to I started a new job. Um, 
So they could well, get everything in there. Here's the crazy thing. Let's say you just graduated college with a teaching degree and you got to teach, you just got a teaching job and you got the contract and everything else. You can, you can buy a house, mm-hmm. but you have to be right out of school. There can't be, you couldn't be off three or six months and then you got the job. Doesn't work. It has to be, basically they consider college your work. You, you know, you prepped for work or you worked. So you come out of college, we would need basically your transcripts or whatever to show uh, that you just finished college. There's no big gaps and you do have a job. It's salaried. It can't be commissions and you know overtime and bonuses and everything. We can use your base pay. And uh, today's world, it's a little bit more confusing because the average work week, you know, years ago was 40 hours. Now people are flex a little bit. So that's where it gets a little bit complicated. But if you're like, a, like I said, like a teacher or something like that, where it's contracted or they're saying, here, you have a base, you have a salary of 60 grand. We can use the 60 grand. Yeah. Uh, Reed Porter, how do bond prices affect mortgage rates? Uh, they're inversely affected. So when bond prices go up, mortgage rates go down. Um, and the inverse is true. Uh, when bond prices go down, mortgage rates go up. There's a guy on YouTube that does a fantastic job on that every day. Yes, um, his name is. Oh, I oh, kind of rhyme, it kind of rhymes with my name. I'm just saying. It was that's what I discuss on my channel every day. I go over bond prices and everything that's that's happening. And my channel is more economics, for longer. and Kyle's channel is educational. And I'm trying to conform over to that, but I just love the economics behind everything. Sorry, what was that guy's name it was Stan Fryo, Stan? something like that. Yeah, it was definitely Stan. Uh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> Very important remix. Is that I think it's that uh, when you get into like hour, what well, we're approaching hour two of the stream, where uh, oh, is it? things just gotta they get off the rails at some point. Um, very important yeah. rejects. What do you think twenty twenty four is gonna like uh, look like? I don't. Let's get through twenty twenty three. I think there's. A, <laughs> Hopefully, there's I'm not ready. Coming up, we're not in a World War Three. Um, there's no yeah. I don't, you know, that that's a tough thing is everybody kind of gives their predictions. I have a prediction video come out. I was almost tempted to call it, it was getting back to where we, we, we talked about earlier when people just, you know, they fear monger and everything else. I was almost tempted not to put predictions because I have, I have no idea what's going to go. You know, nobody does. You know, what are rates going to do? Well, whatever the Fed does. Well, what's the Fed going to do? Well, whatever inflation yeah. does. What's inflation going to do? I mean, it's just one of those things. It's, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Part of me wants to make a video that's like 2023 uh, home price predictions and it's like two seconds and just saying like, I don't know. And that's the whole thing. Everybody, you know, I get criticized on my channel a lot saying, you know, you keep pumping, you know, real estate and all this other stuff. You know, you don't know. You don't have a clue what's going on. And then they're like, you know, the housing market's going to crash 20%. Wait a second. You just said I didn't have a clue what was going on and I, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. But then in the next context, you just said there's going to be a crash, but you don't know. That's the yeah. whole point of this. We, we don't know. We just give you our educated, you know, we even we a 20% again, if we're, I mean, we're talking national numbers, uh, even a 20% correction wouldn't be lower than two years ago. Cause if home yeah. values go up 20% and then they go down 20%, it's actually not, you know, that goes up this much. 20% down is 20% from that top number. So it's actually probably going to be closer to an 18% reduction, not actually actually be a 
16% reduction, uh, not a full 20% because it went from a higher number down. Yeah. But do you see Dayton dropping 18%? No. And what's really interesting, and I, I talked about this in the video that I posted um, uh, like last week or so, we're like real estate, you know, everyone hears about like it's location. It's all about location. Uh, and sometimes we just think like it's the state or it's the city even, but it's actually all these little pockets inside the city. So like, you know, Dayton, for instance, has probably six different like prominent pockets or six different neighborhoods, and they all have their own little feel to them. One is kind of like the downtown business side. The other is kind of the more historic, uh, you know, had like German immigrants came in and built like in that era where mansions and now they're like small houses compared to, you know, modern things you know you have all these old districts and they all have different like development opportunities to them and um so that's why i was a, a big fan of like renting uh in where i was at because i was able to get a really better feel of what's happening in my local market and very quickly realize like oh the neighborhood i thought i wanted to live in when i lived in a different city is not where i wanted to live in and then I, you actually get connected to seeing what's going on and like actually talking to local business owners and seeing like, oh, there's a lot of money being pushed into, you know, these specific neighborhoods with different commercial developments and, you know, city uh, opportunities. And I that's what matters is understanding this like hyper local understanding of what's yeah. going on in real estate. Because I, I talked about this in the video, like I don't care what's happening in like Sacramento as far as like my purchasing decision. It does not sure. matter what's happening hundreds of miles away um it's not affecting like my market yeah Yeah. that's what i that's what i preach on my channel all the time it's irrelevant your your area is a microcosm of what you're looking at so again i'm from a small little town in west virginia it again looks kind of like you i don't care what sacramento's doing saying you know austin's killing it well they're up you know 30 percent in the past two years well my little town that i grew up in is up maybe eight percent in the last two years so it's all relative yeah um niall said uh hey it's niall from brooklyn my job hey, is we got another new Yorker. uh <laughs> my job is relocating me to la um will i be able to use fha to get a new primary residence with three and a half percent down uh because it's 100 miles away from my first place um yes yes you will uh you will be perfectly fine there um Oh, this is the guy that said the Bobby Caldwell. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I am glad to help. Uh, and I'm sure Dan is as well. Um, Sebastian, I am comparing uh, today's high interest rate market to the low interest rate market we had a year ago. What is a reasonable difference in monthly payment I should be willing to pay? Um, well, if we want to run through like just a very quick number, let's do this. But his comment—it's—it's it's, that's going to be a tough question to answer because he would be the only one really to determine what he's willing to pay. Correct. Um, if you just wanted to see the difference between like different interest rates, you know, just a very simple mortgage calculator can help you with that. You know, for instance, uh, let's see, exactly a year ago, what were what were mortgage rates? Put in three. You'll be you'll be good at three. Does this show back a year? Oh, um, let's see. December. 
let's see, uh, 3.21. Yeah, look at you. And then looking at today is like mm, six, I think six and a half. Yeah, six and a half is the average. So, you know, $350,000 loan. This is just principal and interest uh, is $1,500. You bring that up to 6.5%, you're up to $2,200. But like Dan was mentioning, you know, what, what are you willing to pay is actually a, an affordability question um, and not really a mortgage question. And unfortunately, I think those two have kind of blended in um, for a lot of people where ultimately you need to decide what's affordable and what's comfortable for you. There's tons of different like rules of thumb and, and ways that you can calculate this to give you an average, but you're the only person who lives your budget day to day. Um, even the world's best financial advisor doesn't live in your budget and really only you can know what's comfortable. So the way I like to look at affordability is not having the lender tell you what you can afford. It's really getting really comfortable with understanding what your budget looks like and feels like and what your goals are. And then bringing that to a lender and saying, this is the number that is my maximum. And then from there is where we strategize loans to figure out what can we do or what works to fit that number. And then we can start working, shaping everything around that number specifically, um, rather than the alternative that a lot of people do is they go to a lender and say like, what can I qualify for? And then they, they get a number and they're like, yeah, that sounds good. It's not uh, the best recipe for success long term um, if you want to be exactly. budget conscious. Um, buying a new build. Can you do the closing hack? Um, oh, okay. So the home is three hundred twenty-five thousand. Closing. I'm guessing closing costs are ten thousand uh, dollars. Offer three thirty-five to get the seller to pay the ten thousand dollar closing uh, cost. Um, yeah, you can absolutely uh, negotiate that. If it's with a builder, um, it's going to be really up to how much they're willing to negotiate there. Um, do you see any issues with that? No. So how how you explain it? Here's how I explain it. This is really simple. Mr. Mr. And Mrs. Seller, you want three. You want a net three hundred twenty-five thousand, right? Yep. Okay. So wonder if I were to offer you three thirty-five. And you give me ten thousand dollars back, so your net to you is still three twenty-five. So some people might say, you know, the consequence there is, well, they're going to pay capital gains possibly on that addition, those additional monies. Most people aren't going to look into it that thoroughly, and it's not really going to change their tax liability on that. So they're okay with it. But that's the best way to say it. What do, what's the seller wanting to? What's their bottom line? What do they want to walk away with? And then we can backload the number from there. But you you got it directly. What you put on the screen is exactly how we're, we're explaining it. Yep. Um, what's up? My brother's in the chat. Are you listening to, um, oh gosh, what was that? Gangnam Style cool and uh, all the other. Uh... <laughs> the cool jazz hour. <laughs> uh Jackie Moon said, while buying a home during winter and how crazy the weather has been, should I be worried about how someone winterized the home? Have you ever run into any issues with that? No, nah, I mean, it's unless the house is vacant. Um, if the house is vacant, then, you know, when you have a uh, home inspector, they're going to go through it and they're, they're going to be what here's the bottom line. I'll, I'll explain. Just get a home inspection and then you'll be you should be safe. 
Um, but you know, it, it, the only time it should be winterized is if, it, if the place is vacant. And again, get a good home inspector and they'll be able to go through everything in detail to make sure it is working for you. Um, what type of lenders offer land loans? Land loans are usually best through like a local bank or credit union. Um, they're gonna have the most flexible options there. My shirt is crooked and it's driving me nuts on the screen, but I don't know which way it goes. <laughs> you didn't comment about my new my new sweatshirt, buddy. It's brand new. Oh, it's my Christmas. Ooh, I see. I do see it has a little spider on it, though. Is that what it is? Yeah. A little spider? Got it at Costco. They're 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 comfortable. Really? They're, yeah. Is it Kirkland brand jacket? I don't know, but I have I have three of them and I love them. I got a gray one, a black one, and now a blue one. They're comfortable. Here. They're warm. They're especially here where it's. That was a it was a balmy forty today, I think. Oh, that's not. So it gets to that point where like forty starts to feel like kind of warm. Where like you like, walk outside, you're like, oh, that's not that bad. Going out in shorts today. Um. Okay, fun fact: I've never been to Costco. No kid. Well, when you come up to shave so, my beard let's... off, I'll take it to Costco for lunch. <laughs> All right, deal, deal. This is shaving. I'm, I'm getting some more incentives. <laughs> My pool's froze, so we can go ice skating too. <laughs> oh, really? The whole thing froze over? No, I mean just the top layer. It's oh, so okay. freaking cold up here, dude. The last, I'm th I'm so glad. I we flew out of town on Thursday, and we were they were de-icing the plane when the storm started coming, and we thank mm. God we got off, and everybody behind us was canceled, and uh, so it was yeah. it was awesome. But then I get yeah, to Florida, a day one seventy, day two thirty five. It's like, come it's on. It's amazing that you were even able to get that flight. Because you, know, you told me it was like four hours. Uh, but, man, I was seeing those like yes, cancellations right. yeah, just last night. piling up. I'm, I'm tired tonight. We got in. We were at the airport for quite a long time last night. And I finally got home about 1030. And then the alarm went off today. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here. Um, okay. When purchasing a home, uh, but also thinking about using it as a rental property after five to eight years of owning the home, what are some key factors I should uh, consider. Is there I, I talked to one. I talked to a one-on-one -on -one consultation tonight, and the guy was dead on. What do you think that somebody else would be wanting to rent? So, in most cases, where are you going to get your most money? Probably from a family. The family's probably going to have you know two adults and maybe a child or two child children and a dog. So, what would they need? Probably going to need three bedrooms, two baths, and a garage. So I would look at, you know, don't, I wouldn't buy a little studio apartment thinking you're going to kill it in rent down the road. Th this is my, my thought. I'm looking to, you know, where can I get the most money? Probably from a single family home that's big enough to house a family. So when I do that, you know, what I would be looking for personally is three bedrooms, maybe four bedrooms, two baths. Um, would that's you consider school district much. in there too? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of things to, to factor in. You know, one of your one of the consult consultants I did today, the guy he was, he he watches your channel meticulously, and he went by all through the guy the things. The school district is great. The, the this is good. I mean, he went through it all. I'm like, dude, I I should be talking to you about a mortgage. But it's look through the things what somebody would be interested in. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I think a family would pay you know more for a home. Than a you know single person just somewhere yeah. to kick back. That's my thoughts. yeah. I think that uh, like that's like a tried and true method um, that you're it would be difficult to find that going wrong. Um, there are also like 
I'm thinking of like where I'm at. Like my my city is not super family based at the moment, primarily because our school system is not great um, and gets terrible funding. So what works here and what a lot of people have made money here around with primary residences is actually condos. Um, more geared towards like who are the people coming into the newer, you know, younger businesses um, and who who is that demographic? And so you have a lot of these people who want to be in uh, these kind of nicer condos that are in like the four to six hundred thousand range. And a lot of people have made quite a bit of money on the appreciation of these condos that have been super in demand. So kind of going back to a point that we talked about a, a while ago, which is like every market's different and like where you're talking about the uh, looking at more like what's what's a single family home that would have, you know, is going to be more on like the the two, three bed, two bath uh, kind of standard um, would work maybe 20 minutes from where I'm at. But where I, I probably wouldn't go like family home approach directly downtown. Um, so, yeah, I think that's absolutely true but it also can depend on like your market and where you're buying and um you know your situation like for instance like my situation uh there's other people in my situation and so i think i would probably buy something that would lend itself more to like i understand my demographic um and so that's an option uh i think ultimately what i'm saying here is there's tons of options (laughs) yeah there is uh without ending my sentence um do, do, do. Cool. Well, man, we've been kicking this for two say, hours. I'm getting tired. <laughs> this was this is awesome. When we have this many people on here for this long, there's a huge demand for this. And we yeah. promise we will continue this week after week after week, coming back to you guys to answer all your questions. Because without your questions, we'd sit here and just stare at each other. As fun as that would be. Uh, so, Dan has a YouTube channel and you absolutely should check it out because Dan covers uh, all of the economic info that you want to know related to um, buying a home. Oh, here it is. The rate update with Dan Frio. This is our live stream. Um, so go subscribe to Dan's channel. I did this right here um, for updates there. If you want to get connected, if you want to talk to Dan or another mortgage advisor on our team, just go up here to winthehouseyoulove.com. And then you can schedule a consulting call. Uh, this is no obligations. There's nothing attached to it. Um, what we want to do is just understand your story, where you're at, um, and then how can we help you see all those decision-making numbers up front? We want to make sure that you're pre-approved before you start shopping for a home so that uh, you don't run into any hurdles. Uh, far too many people go through the process. They find a home, they get really attached to it, and then they run into a hurdle or they see the numbers and it's way more uh, than they really anticipated. And then unfortunately, Sometimes a lot of those people move forward uh, with taking on more than they maybe should have in that moment. Um, so reach out to us. We'd love to talk with you. Uh, I'm, I know there are people that I missed their question. It's nothing personal. Uh, my email is in the description. Um, email me. Uh, we can get you connected. I can respond to you, answer your question, um, or you can talk with a mortgage advisor on our team if you want to move things along a little bit quicker. Um, but Dan, as always, thank you for being here. And then we're going to do a live stream next week. Um, same time. We're going to do Wednesdays at 8 PM Eastern. That seems to be when more people can hop on and join. Um, yeah. and Alicia said, uh, we give the best advice, uh, and that it helped tremendously back in 2020 when you purchased your home. 
Um, well, congratulations. And I'd love to see when people are, they already bought, but they're still watching. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And that's where your channel really, what I, I really love about your channel, because my mine is more the economics, what's going on with rates today, you know, what's the economic news today, where yours is true, you know, true education, and I love it. So Thanks, we're getting, you guys are getting the best of both worlds. Subscribe to mine, subscribe to Kyle's and watch them both because you'll be you'll be an educated and informed home buyer. Awesome. Well, thank you all. Have a wonderful night and we will see you next.